You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. It's Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. I'm Beckler. I'm Shauna. On today's PissCast, a heritage moment about the time that Dwayne The Rock Johnson spent in Calgary. We're going to talk about this indigenous delegation that's at the Vatican right now talking to the Pope. Another etymology, disciplining other people's kids, signatures and how they aren't as popular as they once were. Sean and I have uh, quite a debate on residential parking permits, which is specific to Calgary here, but there's a larger question in there about like basically who who street parking belongs to. Uh, It's Vancouver soft cherry blossom season, so we'll get into that. But first, your out-of-context clip of the show. (laughs) Nurse an injured fawn back to health with my own breast under the cherry blossoms. After that, I'm going to go do (laughs) yoga with rabbits. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. You may have seen this story this morning, but uh, Mayor Gondek's approval rating is the pits. It's not good. It is not good, buddy. No. Uh, there was a survey conducted by Think, Think HQ Public Affairs, and only 38% of respondents to it approved of the job the mayor is doing right now, Yeah, which uh, was described as unusually low this early into her term. Like, by comparison, uh, at the end of his first year as mayor, in his first term, Mayor Nenshi had an 86% approval rating, and I'm, Mayor Gondek's at 38% right now. I mean, I, I feel... Like it would be a tough time to be mayor no matter what, just because of the pandemic and how everything is increasing cost wise. And I'm like, I'd be tough to step in. And well, that's what she, that's what Mayor Gondek said. Is that what she said? Um, yeah. well, I think just like economic uncertainty of the city and the province, the future here. But um, don't get me wrong, there's been some missteps along the way as well, for well, sure. So pollsters pointed towards, um, you know, things like the arena deal falling right. through. Yeah. Um, what else did they mention here? gonna say that's a big one <laughs> I, had a, I had a list no i lost it um but you know i think you know people have concerns over transit right now of course all that sort of thing yeah uh it's it's a tough job i think the mayor because mm-hmm. you wear a lot of the decisions council makes personally you do uh, maybe we could help out a bit oh help i the mayor see out. yeah we, okay maybe we can make the mayor sexy and not specifically maybe this mayor but like just the the, the role of mayor in general yeah yeah, let's do it. I think we could make the mayor sexy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, come into the chamber where I'll head up some meetings. Ooh, Ooh. I'd like to policy you in my pants. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead, do a bit of swearing. Ooh, the average length is four, but some are longer. Others are cut short, too. 
terms as mayor, that is. Mayor Terps. Yeah, mm. I sit on several committees. It's been a rough ride so far. Are we going to see a premature erection? Election, that is. Yep, there it is. <laughs> there it is. The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Freckler, it's the softest time of year for Vancouver right now. Oh, it's cherry blossom season? Yep. My sister sent me a picture yesterday. She goes, look what season. She knows that we like to make fun of her there. And she <laughs> gave me a picture. And I was like, oh, my God. It's cherry blossom cherry season. Blossom so beautiful. Uh, so just because of that, there's a ton of headlines that are just prime for this, this Vancouver soft that we love. So okay? Vancouver soft headlines. Hit yes. us with them. So first of all, Cherry Blossom Festival's return to Vancouver April 2nd. Then mm. the article continues, those who attend are encouraged to bring a picnic mat and a picnic basket. Of course. Very nice. Very soft. Very nice. Vancouver Roller Girl fights traffic ticket for rollerblading on human rights grounds. <laughs> in, in Vancouver, rollerblading is a human right? It's a human right. <laughs> yep. So, of course. Yoga session with rabbits fills up fast. Like There's one of these every time every we do this. Say eh? some time. kind of yoga with animals. Yes, or, yoga. Yeah. It's just a thing. I don't. How many of these festivals do you have, Vancouver? <laughs> and then this one, from orphaned hummingbirds to injured fawns. Here's what to watch for with this spring's baby animals in BC. <laughs> this is an actual headline. That was the full headline. That full sentence. Uh, are you kidding? Then the article says this. It's officially spring, and that means pretty pink buds on the trees, warm inviting patios for margaritas with pals, and of course, plenty of those cute baby animals. Honestly, like... Oh my God, Vancouver. What are you doing today? Well, I was going to nurse an injured fawn back to health with my own breast under the cherry blossoms. After that, I'm going to go do <laughs> yoga with rabbits. It truly is the most beautiful place on earth. Oh, my God. BNS in 20 minutes or less. We mentioned this in the news this morning, but there are some changes coming to the way that permitted parking works for residents of the inner city here in Calgary. Yeah. And it's a little confusing. It is. You and I have been reading all morning trying to figure out exactly how this is going to work, and we're not totally sure yet. No. It, it sounds like, I mean, initially they're saying that you cannot like you will not be eligible for a permit if you are in a building that's like built it's, after 1945, 20 units and taller than four stories. That means you're what we're first reading is that you're no longer eligible for a permit if that's the case. If right. Those are the parameters of your building. Eligible to apply for a maximum of one permit to park on the street. Yes. And this is where cuz when I first heard this and I heard that you are not eligible for a permit period, I, I was like, oh, no, that's awful. Because mm-hmm. for people downtown, um, you, I've I've actually rented places where the only available parking was on the street. There was no underground parking right. available. So if you are renting out a place and you are under the impression that you'll be able to park on the street, and that then changes to you having to pay $40 a day for pay parking and have mm-hmm. to move your vehicle every two hours, that sounds awful. But then we're reading into this further, and it sounds like maybe you are still... Allowed to get one permit. I guess the big question that's that's been raised by this, though, is that, like, should you have, should residents of these buildings downtown have reserved parking for them on, this, on the street? Right. And I think, again, like, if you purchased a condo with the, uh, you know, expectation that you'd have that street parking, that it would really suck for you now because you're 
value of your place is going to drop dramatically if that's the case, right? Because being able to access parking on the street for those condos is a big thing. Now, here's the other thing. If you have parking in your building already and this is just extra parking, that's different to me. But the issue is that I think some condo buildings come with no parking spots, period. And then if you have to park on the street and you can't anymore, then you're in trouble. Yeah. So, I mean, it is kind of a tough one because, like, should the onus be on the developers of these buildings going forward, say, to provide enough parking spots for the number of units in their building? Yeah. But then there's questions like double occupancy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Like, I think the idea of it is that if you're... If you're living downtown, there are many people who believe that you shouldn't be so reliant on the vehicle for for transit, right? Right. You live in these neighborhoods because it's easier to get around, because everything is close enough. And if we want to reduce our reliance on vehicles as a city, it makes sense to start in these higher density neighborhoods. Because the argument that's been made that I've seen online is that like you, you want the vibrancy and the walkability of these neighborhoods right. and then reserving all this parking on the street for the residents who live there is kind of helping to kill that. Yeah. I think it's strange though, to think that people who live in the suburbs deserve to drive, but people downtown don't like if you Not want you to don't be... deserve to drive it, just that the city shouldn't set aside parking for you. Right. If right. You... Unless, I mean, if you, the argument would be if you can't afford a parking space mm-hmm. in downtown, then maybe you shouldn't be living downtown if you need to drive. Maybe yeah. downtown is more for people who are willing to take transit, to cycle, to walk. Yeah, I, I still think that you need some parking available for people, though. So if the buildings aren't doing it, I mean, going forward, maybe not, though. Maybe that's the thing. If you want to live downtown going forward, then you just simply can't have a car. If that's the understanding going forward, then you know that when you move in. Mm -hmm. For people who've lived downtown for a long time, though, and again, are now without that parking, it's that's kind of that's tough for those people, I think. If you moved in on the assumption that you were going to have parking and. And now you yeah, all well, of I mean, Councillor Giancarlo Carra, who I disagree with more often than I agree with him, said he thinks that people who live downtown and have access to this parking have had it too good for too long. And they pointed to the cost of this program, of the permit parking program, uh, which, which we found, based on a couple of articles we read this morning, it seems like it's going to save about $300,000 a year. Which seems negligible. It's not a lot. No. It's not a lot of money, but, I mean, I sort of get it. Like, you... What, regardless of what your your dwelling looks like, you're not entitled to the parking on the street. Yeah. Right? Uh, again, though, if it's different if you have other spaces to park. For those that don't, it seems like the a tough thing. The city should provide it? Well, to take it away entirely when, yeah, I think that there should be something to help, hmm. uh, to assist with people who don't have any parking at all available outside of on the street. Like telling yeah. them that they now have to pay $40 a day or and move their vehicle every three hours seems a bit insane. Yeah, it is really tough. It's a, it's a tough one, and I can really see both sides of this. But there was a comment on Reddit that I thought was really good. It's like you want to live in these high, these very vibrant neighborhoods with access to all this great stuff, but then also want the luxury of driving a vehicle and being able to park. Like is this one of those things where you, you can't have your cake and eat it too? Or, mm. yeah, it'll, you know, if you want to drive, maybe you got to move out to the suburbs with me. Yeah, um, I suppose so. I, I think it's it'll be interesting to see what happens down the line with this because it's a, just another step toward not driving in the city as a whole. I think right? I think it's all part of this push to get basically rid get rid of the car and to reduce our reliance on the car. Yeah, I think you're right. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. You're we kind of talking about signatures yesterday and how they're they're kind of a relic of the past, like 
nobody really needs a signature for anything. No, it's not a great way to verify someone's identity compared to some of the other methods that we have now. We have like facial recognition, okay? And these crazy body scanners, a signature is not a great way to be like, oh, nope, that's not you. But then we got laughing about how when we were growing up, we used to practice our signatures. Yes. It was a big thing to do. Is it like, did you used to Google on your, or Google, doodle on your binders and all kinds of stuff and do your signature over and over? Oh, yeah. I remember developing my first signature because I changed at one point. I wasn't happy with it. I was like, I need a better signature. And then it was while I was working at a grocery store in high school. I was like, I got to come up with a new signature. And I was convinced I was going to be at first a famous hockey player and then a famous drummer. So you need a good so signature. I, of course, I was going to be signing autographs all the time, and yes. I would need a fam- I would need a great signature, you know, yeah, a very striking course. one. Uh, and now I sign my signature like twice a year. Yes. You know? Or if you go to the states and pay with a credit card, that's about it. I used to like when I was listening to teachers talk and stuff. Like I just do my signature over and over. Yep. It was just the kind of mindless thing you do while you were listening, right? It was it was just something you do with your hands, I guess. I always was mad though because. I don't have any good letters in my name to make a really striking signature. Really? Always you have kind of S annoyed and J. me. They're very I, flowy. And those are the two that you can do something with, but I always like there were other I wanted more, you know, like a T thrown in there in the middle of Shauna or Jefferson because it was like the two big letters, then nothing else. And I, I wanted more. I wanted more for my name. There were no other high points, right? It's no. The, so it was just uh, kinda like, ah, that's boring. See, I like I'll show you my signature here, but it just looks like a scribble. Oh, that's great. But if you uh, if you look closely, there's mm-hmm. an A, a B, and then there's also my favorite number four See, in I, there. And that, I developed that wow. on purpose. That is so, unbelievable. I had a lot of time at this job to just sit there and doodle on receipt paper. So. Well, and see, that's meaningful, and you can actually see the A and B, whereas some people literally just do a full-out circle, like a, a scribble, and you're like, that does not represent any part of what your name actually is, which maybe is funny to them. But kids now, like, do they even write notes on paper to doodle? Like, I know a lot of kids have laptops now. And even in, in primary school, you've got, like, a tablet or something. So do kids I mean, even develop that at all? Yeah, like, they still learn how to write their names and stuff, right? Yeah, like, I suppose. Brigham's just learning how to write his name right now, so. So they can still perfect a signature, maybe. Maybe. But you're right. Like, it probably won't be as important. No. Have you ever looked at, like, a, you know, like a signed baseball or something, and you're trying to make out whose name you're actually reading, and most of them you can't? You can't. No, no. I, I still think that's a long-running joke. Like, I think it's people who sign their signature that much, it gets shorter and shorter and just more blobbery because <laughs> they're just like, oh, I've got 5,000 of these to do. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if kids now develop an e-signature because that's the thing now, growing an e-signature that you can put on things. Well, I mean, we had, like, funky screen names and stuff on back on MSN Messenger, so that was happening even back then, right? It's true, but now you but can, yeah. like, doodle on your computer, right? Mm. Like, make a... Per- so maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe you're doodling on your computer now. Hmm. Huh. I think it's more likely they just, like, have, you know, have a, a signature profile look or something. Yeah. Or signature avatar in a video game you play, right? Yeah, it's true. You know, how, like you said, how often do you write? How often do you even use that signature anymore? Unless yeah. you're famous. Unless you're really famous. When people ask for a signature now, I just draw a happy face. Like, there you go. <laughs> Let's works, see if I remember right? how to make my mark. DNS in 20 minutes or less. My buddy was listening this morning and he texted. He's a doctor and he said that uh, they still use their signatures quite often. He's like, he did 26 surgeries this week and had to sign like hundreds of pieces of paper for it. Which totally makes sense. Yeah, the medical field would be a big field where signatures are still constantly used. Lawyers too, I bet. Yep. Because they're always signing paperwork. And- Anything that involves 
law type uh, stuff. Very like, official documentation. Very official. You need those signatures for yeah. sure. My buddy also said that uh, there are companies that will actually design a signature for you. Which is fascinating. And honestly, kind of makes sense if you want something that really stands out. I mean, it's funny though because... When it comes to doctors, for example, or those who really use it, they don't care what their signature looks like. If you're somebody no. who has to sign off on all kinds of crap, the more efficient, the better. The and that's what my buddy said. He's like, I said, is your signature cool? And he said, no, not It would really. be like a scribble. Yeah. Because, again, if you have to do it that many times, you don't care. Like, you're not, it's not about, ooh, let's make this pretty. But also, if you're a lawyer signing a very official document mm. and your clients are paying big money, you don't want some chicken scratch signature, right? Some. It's true. It looks like a toddler wrote it, so Although maybe some- you would want to get a company to it, there's almost a correlation though between how ugly your signature and how much higher up you are like it's almost a joke now right it's like how everybody makes fun of doctors and how they they write because you're writing so much and you're just about efficiency so if i see crabby writing i'm like oh that person's probably pretty high up in their job they have more important things to do than make their writing look pretty but what if you were like a you know like a, a lawmaker like a politician and you had to sign off on bills and stuff and you had this like embarrassing signature it's true that wouldn't i mean artists if you're an artist, right, you you want a good signature because you sign all your art and you want it yeah. distinctive. So that would That's be a true. big one you sign too. It right on the art itself. Yep. So. It's part of the art. It really becomes part of it. So. VNS in 20 minutes or less. My wife McKenna took the boys to uh, an indoor playground the other day, and Bo and some other kids were throwing balls at each other. I think. As you do. Just having a good time, and yeah. I don't know what happened, but the mom of one of the kids got mad and yelled at Bo. Oh. And what he told me about this. I said, it's a good thing McKenna didn't see this woman yell because that woman, she came dangerously close to dying that day there, I, I think. like McKenna Why? can be crazy like that. Oh, interesting. She can, like, she's so chill and sweet all the time, but if someone gets up in her face or like goes after one of the kids, she has like a different gear that she can flip into. Protective mom gear. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's what, because you don't see it often when you nope. do it. I was like, whoa. Thinking about her doing that is terrifying. <laughs> it's always the calm ones that you're like, yeah, I don't ever want to see that yeah. not happen. Yeah. And like I, on the other hand, I really try to avoid confrontation in most situations. Right. Like I, I, I always look to deescalate, right? Yeah. And if someone's, you know, up in my grill, it's like, how can I just like chill this out? Yep. Get out of the situation, not McKenna. Like she, oh, she will meet she'll you. She'll ramp it up. She'll meet you where you're at and go further too. Oh, so, hey. Like, <laughs> It's good to know. Yeah. Good to um, know. And like, I would I would almost never scold anyone else's kid unless the kid was doing something dangerous. Yeah. And even then I'd be like, whoa, hey, well, that's careful a there, bud. Like, really tough thing to do, especially these days. Like, yeah. everybody has very different opinions on how to, you know, discipline your kids and what to do with them. And yeah, you don't want to go down that road with somebody else's kid. No. And no. Like, even if there's a spat between like one of my kids and another kid. I always err on the side of disciplining my own kid. Yes. Yeah. Or even if the other kid's in the wrong, I'll just be, I'll say to my kid, oh, we shouldn't be doing that. Let's go over here, right? Yeah. You know, I'll never say something to the other kid. No. Even like kids of my of my friends and stuff. Like I just, I, I don't want any it's part not, of disciplining someone it's else's not your kid, place. right? Yep. I got my, mm-hmm. um, when my brother was in elementary school, he was on a field trip and that one of the moms was chaperoning the field trip and she smacked a kid in the head for talking well, that's... who wasn't her kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was in the 90s, so things were a little different maybe back then. But yeah. hitting other people's kids? Oh, no. That's a different time. Oh, hell no. That's... Like, 
Oh, yeah. You can't hit other people's it, kids. I mean, giving, giving your own kid a smack is like, uh, oh, other people's? Get, that's even questionable now, but hitting Ooh, other we, people's kids? Oh, my. I don't even want to think of how McKenna would have reacted to that one. Nope. Like I said, that woman would be dead. VNS in 20 minutes or less. Etymology with Shauna. I heard the term hoodwink yesterday, and then I got thinking about where the hell that came from. Um, hoodwinked. Like hoodwinked. To, like to fool someone? Yeah, to, to deceive or trick somebody. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. So it's kind of a weird term, though. Um, and I learned that it's actually pretty old. It was first used in the 16th century, and it comes from the breakdown of hood, which literally means just a head covering, mm-hmm. and Old English wincian, which means to close one's eyes. But back then, a wink actually didn't mean closing one eye. It meant closing both eyes. A wink was a blink back then? It was a blink, yeah. And, of course, the old English term wincian is also where we got the word wince, as in when we wince in pain, right, when you think about that. And oh, okay. You're wincing and you're closing your you're eyes. Closing like your that. eyes. Uh, it, that hurts. Exactly, yeah. Um, and also, what you, just to say, to catch 40 winks, right? Mm-hmm. That would be a blink. Yep. Because you don't sleep one eye with one eye open. No. No, it's another term actually to look into. But when the verb hoodwink first showed up in 16th century writing, it was meaning to cover the eyes with a hood so you couldn't see. So essentially it was talking about blindfolding. That's when hoodwink was first used. Okay. And in the very literal sense. And that was because of highway robbery. And a, which was more common back then, obviously. And a robber would come and they would try and rob you, but first they would blindfold you or cover Mm. your head with a hood so that they could rob you. And that's where it kind of came to mean deceiving or, you know, oh, so you would tricking get you. Actually hoodwinked. You'd literally get... You would get your eyes closed. Eyes closed by a with hood. With a hood. Yes. And then they would uh, rob you. And then they would take your stuff and you had been hoodwinked. So there you go. Huh. There we go. I didn't think it would be so literal. No. No. And quite in depth, really. Fascinating stuff. Etymology with Shauna. The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. We mentioned in the news yesterday, but I'm sure you've seen the story about this delegation of indigenous people who have gone to the Vatican to speak to the Pope. Yes. And I've been reading some of the, you know, the differing opinions of indigenous people in Canada as to what they hope will come from this visit. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some people want the church to disavow this papal bull known as the Doctrine of Discovery, which uh, dates all the way back to the 1400s. And it, it's a bit more detailed than we probably have time to get into here, but it's it might be important to read up on. It's basically, it was a, a papal decree that said that Christian explorers could claim lands for themselves that weren't already occupied by Christians. And, you know, yep. a lot of the problems that have come since then due to colonialism stem back to this this papal bull. So that's something to read up on if you want to. Yeah. Um, you know, others are looking for an apology from the Pope this week, and I haven't heard him make one yet, uh, not as of yet, but I thought maybe by the end of the week. And others still say the Pope needs to come to Canada and apologize on Indigenous land. And I think they've got a strong point there. Yep. Like, you know, if you wrong somebody, you don't say, like, come over to my place and maybe I'll apologize, right? Like, come over to my fancy house. And maybe I'll apologize. No, you have to. You have to go to them definitely and right the wrongs. Yes, uh, and I know last year the Pope. I believe it was last year the Pope did agree to come to Canada. Yeah, uh, and it's been postponed since then. But uh, and I mean, COVID had a part to play in that too. Obviously, but no, some are saying that there's an announcement expected Friday where okay. he might actually because when he first said he was willing to come to Canada, he didn't provide a date or anything either. And they're saying that at the end of this week, they're hoping that a, a date will be declared and. 
this will then right. happen, and we know when, which and is good. Nothing so far about whether or not that visit would include an apology on Indigenous land, but it no, but it, it, it should. Yes. It should, I think. And I, I also understand that, like, moving the Pope around isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it's a big logistical operation anytime he goes anywhere. Like, some of the largest gatherings in human history have been papal visits to other countries. So yeah. when and if he does come, it'll be a big production. It'll be a big deal. Oh, my God, yeah. But um, I really hope it happens. And I really hope Indigenous people get their apology. Cause... Yeah. And it sounds like, because before he, he wasn't willing to apologize, right? And he just kind of said nothing about an apology. And I'm hoping that this week, and that's what this is leading up to. Yeah, hopefully these are the first steps toward yes. that happening eventually. Because Indigenous people in Canada deserve at least that. Oh, yeah. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I was talking to a friend the other day, and she was talking about how she watches movies with her dog. And she says she'll pick specific movies with dogs in them as her dogs like to see other dogs <laughs> on the screen and stuff. So she said Marley and Me and Lady and the Tramp are two of her and her dog's favorites. Okay. I was thinking about this. First of all, how does Netflix not have a category already of films to watch for your dog or with your dog rather? Or do they and I just haven't seen it? Maybe. Maybe one of those like hidden categories they have because they have like thousands of different right. categories that you have to like. They must because it seems obvious. Like everybody has a dog now and people like to watch movies with their dogs. And I was like, you've got to have that category. It reminds me of uh, a radio friend of ours. He had a tweet one time where he's like, if you ever feel like you aren't really making a difference on the air, just know that there are lots of dogs listening to the radio at home alone. It's true. And you're there for them. So. It's very- very true. Also, I was thinking, million dollar idea right here. I would like to redo some of the classic movies, but with dogs. Like, there would so be a market with, for the... We talked about, you know, redoing films with, with female leads over male leads and that type of thing. Well, yeah. you could do that with, with dogs. And it doesn't necessarily have to be all recast via dog, because that's a bit crazy. But even maybe more dog friendly, more dogs incorporated into these classics. It could be really low budget because the dog's not going to know, it doesn't right? Matter. They just yeah. see a dog on the screen. It's and, true. Yeah. Right, it's another dog. And then I was thinking, like, you could you could obviously come up with some great pun names, just like they do for porn, you know, but in <laughs> in dog form. Like, okay. Raiders of the Lost Bark. Yeah, yeah right? Transformers, Bark of the Moon. Yeah, yeah. Citizen Canine. Oh, that one's good. Mm. That one's really good. Thank you. What about uh, K-19, The Widowmaker? It's already kind of there. You it's, have to change anything. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Barkback Mountain. Or That the, one's going to be weird to watch. The Wizard of Paws. I can envision <laughs> what the Wizard of Paws would look like right now. Actually, the visual there, that's great. <laughs> That's all you need. All the characters are dogs except for Toto, who's a human. Yes. That yeah. would be perfect. Just roll reversal. There we go. <laughs> uh, our friend Fraser Manning is in studio right now. He's one of our producers here at the station. And the funny thing about Manning is that you could ruin his day yes. by asking him to think of puns mm-hmm. because it will completely consume his brain. That's what we've done here today with these dog puns. Yeah, we were talking about <laughs> classic movies, but if we were to redo them with dogs and what you'd name them. So we went down the rabbit hole, but Manning, you just... You got a list in front of you. Holy crap. Yeah, written out by hand. It took you like three minutes. We were like, do you have any? And you're like, hold on a second. And came back with this massive <laughs> Went into list. The pun yeah, lab. was like three seconds too late for the last break. Get up nice and close on your microphone there, Manning, right. and read us what you have on your list. Uh, I got some, some good ones here, some questionable ones. I got Pup Fiction. Oh, that's good. <laughs> when Harry Pets Sally. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Bark Knight. You could also expand that to The Bark Knight Rises. Yes. All that oh, sort yes. of stuff. Yes. Uh, okay. Zero Bark 30. Ooh, oh, very nice. Okay. You can make an interesting movie. Uh, yep. The Bitches of Eastwick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, of course. Mission Impossible. 
That one's kind of corny. Uh, Indiana Bones, which I think you already mentioned. Uh, Fifty Shades of Greyhound. Oh, yes. nice. That's a dirty oh, one. I don't think I want to watch that. No. That's a winner. Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Pugly. Oh, my God. Uh, cool Hound Luke, The Hound of Music. Holy crap. Again. Uh, Pan's Black Labyrinth. <laughs> this was in like three minutes you came up with all these. Unbelievable. And now you're probably going to be thinking about it all day, too. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll probably <laughs> stay up till 3, 4 in the morning. Does it feel good? Stupid dog puns. <laughs> Does it feel good to get it off your chest, though? No, yeah, you yeah. That's a, <laughs> but I'm going to come up with round two. <laughs> okay. Zero Dark Thirty. Was, that was about the assassination of Osama bin Laden. Wasn't I'm picturing... Seal dogs team, with, it's all dogs. Yep. <laughs> They're assassinating oh a dog version of Bin Laden. I movie. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, that's good. Tremendous work, Manning. Tremendous Thank work. Thank you. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. A Calgary Heritage Moment. Now that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is starring in a new sitcom called Young Rock, more tales have surfaced about his time in Calgary. For those unfamiliar, Dwayne The Rock Johnson played for the Calgary Stampeders. He was a defensive tackle for the University of Miami football team from 1991 to 1994. And in his first season, he even won a ring with the Hurricanes. From there, when he was 22 years old, he traveled to Calgary with the dream of making it to the big leagues in football. This was back in 1995, and although The Rock came here with huge ambition, he wound up getting cut from the team after just two months. Pictures of The Rock in his Stampeders practice jersey show off impressive thighs and a thick neck. Unfortunately, his prowess on the field didn't quite match that, and he didn't make it out of the practice roster. In the trailer for his new sitcom, Young Rock, Dwayne describes this experience with the Stampeders. My goal was to go up to Calgary and fall out. But I didn't make it on the roster. I was on their practice squad. You're not supposed to knock them down. So... I had to keep going. I knew if I didn't figure things out quick, I was going to get finger pinched. Finger pinched? Yeah, that's how they cut you from the team. It's very Canadian. It's like a two knuckle finger scissors. It's all I can think about. It's coming for me like death. After being cut from the stamps, The Rock was flown back to Miami where he had to call his parents from a payphone to break the news. At the time, he had $7 in his pocket, and that was it. His dad immediately drove out to pick him up from the payphone booth, but this was seen as one of the lowest times in The Rock's life. Obviously, things have worked out better for him since then. The Rock was both a successful wrestler and now a successful actor. But he looks back upon his time in Calgary fondly and often shouts out our city and the Stampeders for helping to build his character. In fact, that very moment when The Rock had to swallow his pride and phone his dad with a measly $7 to his name was what inspired the name of his production company, Seven Bucks Productions. This has been a Calgary Heritage Moment. You've been listening to the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have BNS and 20 Minutes or Less downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.